0: Welcome back, Queens. We have a powerhouse interview today with Dr. Emily Krause. She is a clinical assistant professor at Stanford Children's Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center. She's a board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation sports medicine and takes a unique approach to the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of sports injuries. She serves as the director of the Stanford Female Athlete Program, focused on female specific translational research to answer fundamental physiological and sports performance questions important to improving the health and performance of girls and women, including the topics of bone health, female athlete triad, Reds, running biomechanics, and mental health. Dr. Krauss also serves as the medical director of the Stanford Children's Motion Analysis and Sports Performance Lab, focused on cutting edge biomechanics research with a strong clinical application. She's involved in multiple Stanford-approved research projects, including the Healthy Runner Project and multi-center prospective interventional study focused on bone stress injury prevention in collegiate, middle, and long-distance runners. She also has research and in clinical interests in youth sports specialization, endurance sports medicine, injury prevention, running biomechanics, and adaptive sports. Dr. Kraus herself proudly grew up as a three-sport high school athlete in small town Nebraska and is now an avid runner and cyclist, completing nine marathons, including Boston twice, in California International Marathon in 2019 with a time of 2 hours and 50 seconds. Smoking fast. With staying physically active as one of her personal passions, she recognizes how sport participation plays a valuable role in the physical, emotional, professional, and social development of a child and adolescent and is committed to maintaining these ideas for the next generation of youth athletes. Whew, you can see why she is a powerhouse woman. Welcome. Thank you for having me, (laughs) Rebecca. What an honor. So oh. just testing your
1: vocal cords and your breathing <laughs> um, with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so we c- we couldn't really, miss anything. Uh, flattered
1: by the intro.
0: <laughs> well, it's well deserved. So tell us what piqued your interest in the female athlete, especially bone development and endurance sports.
1: As you mentioned in my um, in, in, in the introduction, I grew up um, playing all the sports. I had two older brothers and. I was always trying to keep up with them, wanted to do everything that they were doing from the sports they were doing to lifting weights. In fact, my, uh, my middle brother, he like wrote out a strength training program for me in <laughs> high school, like doing basically the exact stuff that he was doing, but just slightly less weight. And I didn't even think to question whether there was a better way to train, fuel, reduce injuries for girls and women in sports. So as I kind of grew in my own career, I started to just gravitate more towards the female athlete as far as female athletes coming to me in clinic and just even talking shop, going on runs with athletes and sharing their frustration as far as just how their injuries were treated and managed in the clinic. And whether that was getting maybe inadequate care from their primary care doctor or even a pediatrician or maybe just not thorough enough care from when they do have injuries, I just started to really get more and more passionate about trying to better understand how injuries differ between males and females. And there is still such a gap in both the research and then that research that's being translated into clinical practice. And then just really kind of that Grew to understand how bone health and bone stress injuries um, differed between males and females, from hormonal differences to, to biomechanical, anatomic differences to other even genetic risk factors. And so I just started to really kind of scratch my head and be like, we need to, we need to better understand what's going on. And that's more than just expert opinion and going by our own experiences in clinics. We need to study this. So I I really feel very fortunate to have trained under some great mentors and here at Stanford, which really started to help me build my own foundation to do research on this. And Dr. Michael Fredrickson, he's a great sports medicine physician at Stanford, and then Dr. Kate Ackerman, mm-hmm. um, an often awesome sports medicine physician and with a background in endocrinology as well at Harvard. And through these mentors and these collaborations, have started to build some some good research on female athletes to really try and understand injury risk, but also learn how to best translate this information to coaches, to parents, to athletes, to other um, sports medicine clinicians throughout the world. And another big thing and like that I, I just still notice is that these athletes who come into my clinic, they still have these misconceptions about what their body needs to look like or they need to lose their period to feel really fit and get fast. And those are not, um, that is not an accurate assessment of how they're going to stay healthy in their sport. And I'm sure you've had numerous conversations about the importance of regular menstrual cycles, especially in the young developing athletes as it relates to just bone health and growth and development. And any way that I can help improve that research, but also make sure that that information is getting into the eyes and ears of, of the athlete and the, and the coaches, it's it's just a big priority of mine. So that's kind of how I, how I got into it. And I can go into more detail as far as like, what that journey looks like, but I'll pause and see if you have any questions or want me to clarify any of those things I just shared.
0: Well, no, we'll we'll still go on that journey, but that makes sense why a lot of your research and talks that you've done really focus on like that screening and assessment tool, like what to be looking for so that they're not missed the the cracks or that they're getting better care because it's being assessed and acknowledged. So thank you for that. So we will let you share the rest of the journey. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. So so I did, as, as you mentioned, I did my residency in a field called physical medicine and rehab. And I feel like that was such a great segue into my sports medicine career. We saw athletes and patients of all types and really tried to optimize their overall functional status. So this could be from spinal cord injuries to traumatic brain injuries to strokes to overuse injuries from sports. So I really gained an appreciation for every member of the team and this very interdisciplinary approach to an athlete. So I took that into my fellowship year, which was also at Stanford and then into my own my own medical practice, where my approach is very team- based. I work with sports dietitians, I work with psychologists, especially sports psych, and I work with some amazing physical therapists, chiropractors, biomechanists, and we all can provide really important information to the just both identifying um, risk factors for injury, but also I'm um, really getting an athlete back to sports as safely and as healthy as possible. And especially, I mean, I would say predominantly a lot of my the athletes in my clinic are females, but I do see males and I see athletes of all ages. But my primary location is at Stanford Children's Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Center. And so I work with a lot of high school athletes who are going through some major transitions, whether that's transitioning from middle school to high school, from JV to varsity, from maybe even transitioning out of varsity or out of high school sports to collegiate sports or club sports. And so I see a lot of some mistakes and some errors, both in training and fueling and just even the relationship with exercise, the relationship with, with nutrition, and just really as they're kind of growing through these transitions with their body too. And so those transitions are really our puberty and uh, males and females go through puberty differently with different fluctuations of um, different sex hormones that are going to affect body composition, bone health, and really how they should approach their their training. So so it's been a really wonderful journey from coming from a small town in Nebraska to <laughs> um, still working at Stanford and and, and feel like I have a, a dream job of kind of pulling in a lot of these clinical interests and cases that I see in my clinic and then really trans like taking that and asking the right research related questions to design studies that are are going to help my patients now and, and in the future.
0: So I love one of the, the research that I cite a lot is the the risk factors for compromised bone density in adolescent female runners. So obviously, you're an avid runner, so it's not like you're telling them they shouldn't. How do you think they can take those risk factors, be able to be proactive, and stay in their sport and be in optimal health? Yeah, great question. Because, you know, most of my female runners who come into my clinic they
1: love running. And the last thing that I want to do is tell them to stop their sport or or run significantly less than, than maybe on um, their their desired training level. But I do think that it's important to engage in the sport in a way that's really going to promote longevity in sport, as opposed to peaking at the ripe age of <laughs> 14, 15, 16 years old. I li- like I literally said to a female athlete um like I think a week or two ago. You are not peeking out as a freshman. You are not going to retire. From
0: sport and that would be just, kind of disappointing.
1: Hang out the, the running shoes, hang out the track shoes forever. You're learning. And there are some really important learning moments and ways to to kind of protect the body and prevent those those injury cycles from happening. And I think one, like I've mentioned, is high school and these adolescent years are really important for going through these important stages of puberty and, and those um, hormonal transitions. So I, I think getting a period, getting a regular period, it's really important for a female athlete. And ideally that's before the age of 15, if that isn't the case. Then an athlete should ideally be first maybe checking with her pediatrician, but ideally I'm checking in with a, a specialist who can and likely a sports medicine physician can really kind of go under the hood and see is this related to overtraining, underfueling, or a combination of both, and kind of fall does this fall into that you know, athlete triad picture? So something that we're trying to avoid with these risk factors is avoid the triad, which is just to kind of get that you're, are the listeners on the same page. I'm sure you've covered it, and you can probably reference a podcast or two from past. But it's kind of low energy availability, whether that's from a full-blown eating disorder. It doesn't have to be. It can be from overtraining or underfueling or a combination of both. That's the first one. That can lead to irregular periods from the hormonal suppression from the low energy availability. So that could be missed periods completely or athlete not getting her first period because of this low energy availability and that hormonal suppression. And then the third is some degree of impaired bone health, whether that's low bone mineral density, which is diagnosed with a special machine called a DEXA scan, dual energy x-ray geometry, or that could be from even just bone stress injuries. So overuse injuries of the bones, also called stress reactions and stress fractures. So we're trying to avoid that triad and then kind of the more expanded definition, which kind of goes beyond into other health and performance consequences, which is called Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport, or REDS. So some other kind of warning signs and signals is if an athlete isn't matching her fueling to um, really kind of match her training and increase in training volume. That might be overall mileage per week. It could just be overall intensity, maybe the intensity of the workout. So we do see that, that happening. And it could be both under-fueling but just impaired timing of fueling. And I'm sure you see this probably with your cases and with your athletes a lot where it's just they don't know the like the important time mm-hmm. points. They like don't plan ahead. They get right. out the door because they're running late, and because they stayed up late doing homework or on like on their TikTok or doing who knows what. <laughs> but the the planning is not the planning wasn't there, and that leads to this kind of this vicious cycle of missing, missing their morning breakfast, missing that important fueling before they um, kick off the day that workout. And they just kind of go into a deficit from the start of the day. So, really easy fixes, you know, breakfasts like are like such an important, like kind of secret weapon of the day. Periods are powerful and that kind of healthy relationship with sports. And especially in the, the Bay Area, we see a lot of these athletes who train all year round and seeing this a lot kind of early sports specialization, even in running. And it's not helpful and can really actually be be harmful for a lot of these athletes because it just can lead to both mental burnout and like and physical burnout and just kind of a flattening as far as performance. So I think really tr- like respecting the off-season and diversifying activities and sports, sampling other sports. They may not be the best at rock climbing or the best at, at swimming or cycling or, or soccer or basketball, but really mixing it up for a, a period of time throughout the year. To just give their body a break from the repetitive loading of the of the sport of running.
0: Love it, and that brings me. You mentioned something about what's under the hood. I've often wondered. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing more of these specialization medical clinics, but for most, they're going to their primary cares or their their sports physicals. Do you feel there should maybe be a different physical assessment for runners like in their wellness even from the adolescent athlete to you know the peri or postmenopausal athlete?
1: Oh yeah, I think I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like as a runner who sees a lot of injured runners, I think sport specific physical assessments can be incredibly valuable and especially kind of in like that screening time frame, as opposed to more of a reactive treatment timeframe. But I think it's also really important to know what to do with the information. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of value in pre-participation physicals. I think that those should ideally be done by the pediatrician or the primary care doc. It gets some of the medical information and then you can do a more focused musculoskeletal exploration with a, with a, physis- a sports medicine physician. But in the case of a runner, I think really just kind of my my physical assessment for a runner who's coming in to try and prevent injuries or prevent some of the negative consequences of triad and relative energy deficiency in sport, it would involve a good injury history. Just see what's, what's happened in their past. Really ask about menstrual cycle, how many periods they're having. And are they having monthly periods? Have they had their first period? Has that changed as far as even just Flow and the number of days their cycle or that they're, they're menstruating, any medications that they're on, whether they're on any hormonal contraception, birth control pills, or IUD or otherwise, and then other medications that can potentially affect bone health. There is a, a list that is just worthy of being aware of. Then training volume, of course, trying to make sure that they're not running seven days a week, 60 plus miles per week. Some of these athletes are, which is totally fine. I, I don't know about seven days a week, but if you're a, an elite or pro athlete and you've really built up and you're kind of in that peak season, it's very different than like a, a high school athlete in their second or third year of running. So kind of back to your initial question about these physical assessments, they're going to vary from mm-hmm. a middle school to high school to collegiate to weekend warrior to I consider myself a competitive recreational athlete, (laughs) and then, then like the like kind of postpartum, perimenopausal, all these other categories. I think there are certain important questions that should be asked for each of those groups, and then asking about nutritional and sleeping habits. I am, I'm not a sports dietitian. I don't claim to be one. I do ask about nutrition, and if there are a lot of kind of red flags for me as far as potentially underfueling or maybe a very unique or restrictive diet that makes it hard to get those important nutrients, I will strongly encourage a a follow-up or a consultation with a a sports dietitian. And then really thinking even about biomechanics. We both know uh, our buddy, oh my gosh, Nathan. Nathan.
0: (laughs) Yes, Nathan. I love that. (laughs) And and he
1: he is a great resource um, to kind of think about biomechanics and strength and running form. And especially in women, women at certain stages, or if they've had certain injuries kind of around that, the pelvic area, really asking questions about kind of pelvic floor strength and whether, and especially if they're, if they're postpartum, I'm really thinking about some of those questions as well, which are unique to female runners.
0: Love it. How hard is it for somebody to be able to just have like a once a year assessment at like a female athlete clinic? will insurance cover something like that or would it be out of pocket? Do they have to have an injury? You know, that's a great question. I feel like unfortunately a lot of my runners are coming
1: from an injury history. So I, I do think I often find a way to get some insurance coverage for this, but, but yeah, it's so variable. And I was just having a conversation with a physical therapist about some of her struggles, getting authorization and approval for specific assessments and running assessments. So I think it's very variable and I think it's worth having the conversation with specialists at that clinic to even just do a, like a pre-screen run through of the insurance and see this is a, gosh, I feel like prevent, like prevention is so key and really knowledge is power. And if we can provide some really good strength training tips, nutrition tips, this overall training tip, sometimes it's like you you need to rest more. You need another day (laughs) off per week. And and that's going to save you so much ache and pain down the road. I think it can be super valuable. So I think it's worthy of just asking and seeing what's available. And maybe it is a bit more limited, but I still think that we can get a lot of this information from in a good, you know, 30, 45 minute session.
0: Love it. So very important question. Do you have any races on your calendar now that they're starting to go back live? <laughs> Oh, my gosh.
1: I I just – I haven't officially signed up yet, but there is a tr- a local trail race called the Woodside Ram- Ramble, and it's in my favorite park, Hutter Park, and it's beautiful right now because the rains are back in California and the trees, I mean, it's just so green and Aww. lush in that, in that specific park. And I'm not a good technical trail runner, so trail, like runs that are really rocky or rooty I don't do very well, and I, I, I joke I'm like a baby doe kind of awkwardly like, <laughs> stepping and like – looking down and basically just totally stopping my flow state from from running but this is like super runnable trail so i think i might do like maybe that marathon or, or 30k oh that Nothing sounds heavenly
0: <laughs> Yeah. well when you're you're juggling your busy career in life how do you live out the fit philosophy trying to balance performance health intellect and having a few minutes for yourself
1: yeah. Oh, it's balance is so important. And I think, I think we're always like swinging one direction or the <laughs> other. And I, I never consider myself in true balance, but I love the whole fit philosophy. So I guess one, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm a, I'm a runner. I try and get out the door, run maybe four or five times per week and the trails, especially. I also ride my bike. I ride road, mountain bike and gravel bike. So I do that if I'm, if I'm not running and just love exploring and getting out in nature whenever I can. And then I try to do a little bit of yoga and flexibility, and um, that kind of taps into some meditation and breathing sometimes if I'm if I'm not too sore from from the day before <laughs> activities. And um, overall health, I eat a pretty balanced diet. I, I'm, I don't follow any specific diets. So I just really try and eat kind of more whole foods, less processed, and cook what I can, but I'll be honest, I, I should should cook more. And there's some great cookbooks out there that I, I just like, I have this like running recipe list that I want to dive into. So that's, I guess, kind of important to, like optimizing just good nutrition and, and sleep. And then as far as intellect, I am just always hungry to learn even outside of the sports medicine world through podcasts and kind of like self-growth. I, I do listen to quite a few podcasts, through like Michael Gervais and Rich Roll, and mm-hmm. like yeah, I just try to to tap into all of that knowledge about just kind of kind of mind and body kind of growth in both life and sports and career. And then time kind to of myself, I, I just really still qual- uh, prioritize relationships. So a lot of my runs and bike rides are with others. So that's an opportunity to catch up with a with a friend or meet a new friend. And I, whatever I can, I'm a, I'm a proud aunt. I've got a lot of nieces and nephews that I need to um, stay in touch with and I'm going to be seeing them Thanksgiving this next Aww. week. And so I'll be excited to see them um, or half of them, I guess. They're I'll get to see one of my brothers and his family
0: next week. So that's
1: in a nutshell, I guess how I'm trying to. Kind
0: of balance that fit philosophy love it and i love how everything is of priority to you just even in itself mm-hmm. demonstrating balance and it's so funny like with now this being a little bit more of a normal holiday like how much we just sometimes our families drive us nuts but now we're just like oh i can't wait to see you and hug you and be around you so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i know Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I,
1: I feel I'm very fortunate to have the support of my family throughout all these stages of, of my life and career. And, you know, I think about that when I think of other athletes, especially since like I'm working mainly with young athletes. So their parents come in and really just being really mindful that it's different and, and kind of trying to tap into really empowering the athlete, but also educating the parents and, helping them understand how important it is to really not just like get the, the quick fix, whether it's the the like quick fix back to sports or the, the, the medication that's going to take away the pain, but really understand how to, how to manage the pain, how to prevent future and really how to cope with, with the injury. So I feel like that's just a whole nother conversation, but, but I just, I really appreciate what, what you're doing to kind of spread oh, this message you. with these podcasts, Rebecca. So Keep up the work. (laughs) Well thanks. And
0: we love having awesome guests like you on, and I think you hit the nail on the head like Do you want to peak at 14 or do you want to have a prosperous full career, you know, into your 80s or 90s? Like I saw there was something the other day, like a 95-year-old that that ran the 100 in like a minute and two seconds. I'm like, yeah, that's my goal. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for coming on, and we can't wait to continue to follow your career. Yes, yes. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Rebecca. Absolutely. Bye, queens. Today's episode is brought to you by yours truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as RED-S, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit
1: for a Queen. And hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.